0: you are the power of this cosmos you are pure intelligence you are unspeakable beauty you are in perfect harmony with the entire cosmos stars and unknown stars (laughs) sun and moon air and light the beautiful plant kingdom of mother nature the waters (laughs) this is your context Male-female collaboration and same-sex or opposite-sex intimacy, that power is yours. And you're allowed to have that.
1: Welcome to the Heart of Yoga podcast. My name's Rosalind and I'm here with Mark. And our subject for this week is something so ubiquitous that we almost forget it's there, our breath. It's something that's absolutely crucial to yoga, is what makes yoga what it is and yet it seems that it is missing from so much yoga around the world. So, Mark, what have you seen in your decades of teaching yoga in terms of the breath and what's happened with breath and yoga practice? Could
0: I ask you a question first? Sure. What is the meaning of the word ubiquitous? (laughs) I love this word.
1: It means it's everywhere. Like Um, air. Yeah.
0: It's like... The fishes ask, oh, what can water be?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: We just assume that... Uh, we don't even assume it, actually. It's there yeah, it's and we don't that, even notice.
1: Yeah, that you may not even notice anymore because it's so normal.
0: And yet the body is always breathing. hmm Wow. Right. Yes, I'd say yoga has taken this principle of breath and turned it into something profoundly useful and healing. But more than that, yoga uses breath as the very means to realize our own reality, to feel our life, to be intimate with life as it actually is. Yes. I remember my teachers Desikachar and his father Krishnamacharya speaking about breath. And they would emphasize that this breath is the principal tool of yoga practice, actually, that everything is built around breath. That the body movement of asana is for the breath. Uh, It's not that the breath is for asana some sort of like added support or added value while you attempt to put yourself into various standardized positions and so forth The exaggerated shapes and the breath is somehow supposed to uh, help you do that no the very purpose of the asana is for the breath for the body and mind to actually be with the breath to participate in and as the breath, is the method of uh, physical practice.
1: It seems like those are beautiful and simple words to say, but in my experience, take years to actually embody or comprehend, and definitely ongoing, because the default I know that I came to yoga with, and I think most people, is that the, the shape of the asana the activity of creating asana and what the body is doing is the primary experience, and then breath is like sprinkles on top of the cupcake. <laughs> a little maybe, bit of sh- sugar in the tea. Yeah, or maybe you're encouraged to get into a shape. Yep. And then. Like, now breathe. And now be aware of your breath.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, I'd, this was my thing. I'd been in Madras for years, you know, 20 years or something, and then went on a trip to the U.S. to see what was happening in yoga, and um, it was shocking to see this exaggeration of um, what Desikachar called mediocre gymnastics, and then paying some lip service to, to breath, and. Uh, You know, I went back to tell Desikachar that these principles of his father were not there at all in what had been popularized as yoga. And it was a little bit sobering. Yeah. So, yes, it is. It's easy to teach the principles. uh, But quite exacting what it is. And we've boiled it down to these simple principles. that One, the body movement is the breath movement. You use the strength of the anatomy to be with the breath. Uh, Two, the inhale is from above, is receptivity, the expansion of the upper chest first, and then the abdominals coming out secondarily. The exhale is strength from the base, the abdominals going in and up, and the chest settling secondarily. And that in the asana movement, the breath envelops the movement. It starts and ends before the movement, four parts of the breath, inhale, retention, exhale, retention, and some other matters. But if we're talking about breath, those three essential ingredients uh, need to be there uh, when you do your asana practice.
1: So let's go through those one by one. In the surprising quality of each one
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know i've heard you say these words that the body movement is the breath movement probably if not thousands maybe even tens of thousands how boring of for you into, sorry. <laughs> and it's so funny that you can hear words over and over again and yet it still really takes time for them to sink in mm-hmm. and looking back i realized that the way that i came to yoga I was thinking of the body is some kind of uh, property or object or entity. And then the breath is something that was added to it, like water into a cup or something like that. Mm-hmm. The body is a sort of static object, right. uh, a property of the mind, you know, a possession of the mind, and then breath being poured in and poured out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And... I didn't even realize that that was the invisible framework that I was approaching my body and my breath from. And of course that has massive implications in all kinds of areas of life, like uh, feeling and sex and everything. But um, when I think about the body movement is the breath movement, over time it brings your attention to this breath process that is starting in the chest, but you can't say where it starts and where it ends. That the mm-hmm. whole body is involved in the physicality of breathing. The ribs are expanding and the, all the muscles are cooperating to breathe. That after, you know, practicing putting that simple one thing into action over and over again, it does sort of change the way I feel about my breath that the body is alive and the whole body is breathing rather than it's a machine
0: yeah yes it is an actual practice that must be done (laughs) in we might call spiritual life or religious life or just a life to have a life any person to feel alive there must be this participation in the breath, and I'm sorry to say that it might sound a little dogmatic, but you know, from Krishnamacharya's scholarly perspective, is that there must be sadhana. Mm-hmm. Sadhana is a word that means that which can be done. Uh, if you've been inspired in any way at all, for either in a from a you know, religious inspiration or a spiritual and inspiration or a life inspiration of any kind like you know you you love a sport and you want to play the sport better you want to you know feel more than this uh, intervention of right sadhana or right asana coming into your life that is your participation in your life as breath
2: hmm
1: and so why do you care to have people really breathing in the way that will get them a yoga because practice the usual results? Like what What is that feeling of shock that you felt in the U.S.? Because I suspect it wasn't judgment. I suspect it was something else. But I know it could, it could be easily slotted into that category of oh, I'm right and everything else is wrong.
0: It's the same shock that was felt as a young child perhaps, growing up and finding out that everybody around you was unhappy, you
2: know, yeah.
0: or restricted, you know, like your parents were arguing. You know. yeah. People seemed miserable. And then later on, you know, speaking of myself, later on, you know, as a teenager and... Um, you know, 13, 14, 15 and on, you know, coming into adulthood and just seeing the bland patterns of life, the, you know, the contraction of people around Mm you and and say, oh my God, this is, (laughs) this is is not enough. (laughs) There's got to be more than this. That took me on, on a research you know, I love this statement that U.G. Krishnamurti used to love making about Latin, spiritus. Uh, in Rome, spirit meant breath.
1: Right, you respire.
0: Yeah, and he used to enjoy saying uh, spirit means breath and nothing else. <laughs> nothing, no abstraction. into some sort of spiritual presumed state that was not realized yet, you know?
1: Right, because what's the point of having a philosophy of that if the breath is contracted, shallow, the chest is compressed, the heart is restricted, and each breath can't be enjoyed or even felt?
0: And that's what I've found, my students, my friends have found, that participation in this breath as the whole body, is participation in spirit, in the power of this cosmos that brought us here in the first place and is presently sustaining us. That. So, this is why he would insist that there needs to be a sadhana, that which can be done uh, for the actualization of anything at all in life whether it's in spiritual language or whether it's in the language of uh, the secular world you know you want to feel better you want to feel better and you want to feel better (laughs) you want to enjoy your life you want intimate relationship with life so along comes uh, yoga sadhana and that is all about right asana for each person Mm-hmm. that each person can do their asana that is right for them, their body type, their age, their health, that is their participation in the breath.
1: In inspiration, respiration. Yeah. It's funny how just how almost unacceptable it is to my modern mind, even the suggestion that something exists that the mind can't grasp instantly.
0: Mm-hmm. How insulting (laughs) (laughs) to your educated mind. Right. And wanting, uh, well, it's interesting. You know, we want the instant um, answer. Yeah. However...
1: There's the principle. Okay, got it. What's next?
0: Yeah. What's next is the instant answer, which is the practice. Now, a yoga teacher's role is to honor, to respect... The student each student as the individual as the unique person that they are and design a sadhana that is the practice that they can do emphasizing the word can they can actually do it that is the body's embrace of the breath the body's participation in the breath and i love to say something that is a fact that the body loves its breath Mm -hmm. you know Furthermore, the inhale loves the exhale. The exhale loves the inhale. It's it's an intimate relationship. So we can design a practice for each person that is indeed a love affair with life. So the secret of asana is that it's a unitary movement of the body, breath and the mind. Mm -hmm. They come together. When you link the breath to the whole body, then the mind automatically follows the breath. Yeah. So that's what happens. A unitary movement of body, breath, and mind, and life. Whatever life is. I like to spell life with a capital L. Mm -hmm. The power of the cosmos that brought us here and presently is sustaining us. This is what yoga practice is this is what can be done
1: and that process of the mind riding the breath into the whole body does feel like being a child learning to ride a bike you know
0: suddenly you get it
1: well i was going to say lots of falls you know not necessarily an instant kind of thing just because the the grooves the mental habits of the mind dissociating from feeling in the body might be quite strong.
0: I'd like to say though, that I remember learning to ride a bike and the delight in the first time it happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, Like, wow, and yeah. you did sort of like, all the conditions were right. You didn't really know how it happened, but it yeah. did happen. And uh, you know, to bring people to that occasion as quickly as possible. And I mm-hmm. do believe the first class, And these three criteria that we do, the body movement is the breath movement. The inhale is from above is receptivity. The exhale is from below as strength. And the breath envelops the movement, or the body is put in an envelope of the breath.
1: Right, so that the breath is starting the movement and finishing it, which makes it be the boss rather than the sprinkles.
0: Now we can teach that with the right asana for... The body type age and health of the person and it can be given so the student can get it and go "Ah, oh, i've got it mm-hmm. you know and they feel it
1: so there's these beautiful words from desicature about how our breath shows so much about our emotional state about how whatever a person is going through it shows in their breath mm-hmm could you say something about that and some of the observations you've made about what the breath says about us
0: yes just that our you know emotional state is intrinsically uh, linked to the breath you know like because we
1: are a whole body again
0: in anger we cannot exhale
1: right we sort of inflate inflate inflate
0: in grief we cannot inhale Mm -hmm. like that in fear, we can't inhale or exhale. Mm-hmm. So, the idea is that if you, in whatever the habituation of the emotion that we are in when we do our yoga practice, when we do our asana, uh, it releases the habituation
2: mm-hmm.
0: and allows, you know, anger to be released. Something other than fear can come in, something other than grief. Participation in the given reality is yoga. Mm-hmm.
1: I notice that often if people have studied the breath a little in their yoga background, they often have a ujjayi breath, the sound at the throat, on the exhale mm-hmm. and not so much on the inhale. Mm-hmm. And could we talk a little bit about the inhale, the importance yeah. of the inhale, what it is, why it's so compromised, yeah. what you've noticed around the world? Because there are trends that we can observe.
0: It's interesting that all around the world there is an inability to inhale, mm. and this, it's quite using, striking. Yeah, because the human condition is programmed to to get, to acquire, to control. You know, we want to control everything. We want to own everything. We want to know everything.
2: Clarify,
1: what do you mean by an inability to inhale? Obviously people are inhaling slightly, otherwise they'd be dead.
0: When you take a bunch of students and, you know, 99 of the 100 students can exhale with a (sighs) with a strength, you know. And we use this in Sanskrit, the word is ujjayi, which is sometimes translated as victory, the victory breath. Mm-hmm. It's the same breath that the body uses when it falls asleep, where the larynx becomes the controlling center, not the nostril. So we're not, there's no longer a sniffing, It's not this, but it's mm-hmm. that sound there. And... Universally, people can do that on an exhalation. But when it comes to the inhale, they take a little sniff at life. And this upper body muscular strength, even the nostrils are used in a sort of a male muscular way to try to take a deep breath in. It's
1: kind of snatched at.
0: Yeah, like snatching at life or sniffing at life. Uh, The inhalation in asana, in pranayama, in yoga, is that the body movement particularly the arms lifting uh, above the head lifts the rib cage and gives more space in the lung cavity Mm -hmm. for the air to come in and it's so a famous uh, respiratory doctor mark pine in san diego he had a beautiful statement on his office wall said the inhale doesn't suck (laughs) two meanings to that word so it's not a matter of excuse me of making an effort to try to get the inhale but just giving space in the lung cavity for the outside air pressure Mm -hmm. to bring the air into the lungs so people can learn how to take very full inhalations without any struggle or effort Mm -hmm. So in fact, see the inhale is about receptivity, it's the opposite of effort. Mm -hmm. Strength or effort is there on the exhale, but then we learn to receive. And this is the delightful thing to teach people all around the world to become receptive, Mm -hmm. as well as be strong.
1: A few things I've noticed while you're teaching, one is that we've been so programmed by individualist culture, that if we have any difficulty with the inhale, people often start feeling like they're failing or self-conscious or or like it's a personal problem with them, that they need to get it right. Whereas having seen so many classes, it's so obvious that it's a cultural thing, that it's just an effect on the body of yeah. the society and the culture that we're yeah. living in in these kind of late capitalist times. and that. It's completely normal for people to have difficulty with that and it's not at all a personal thing. Not
0: at all. It's and, just wonderful to give that experience to people. You know, particularly, you know how in around the world that yoga classes are full of women? There's, we'd have to do it some sort of serious sociological, anthropological study to understand exactly why that is. And the men come reluctantly, cautiously, and often muscle-bound and emotionally bound.
1: And often ego-bound, don't want to be seen to be less flexible. Yeah. Like you say, we could really get into that subject.
0: To give the, the men and the women, of course, their receptivity, it's profoundly relaxing for them and profoundly healing. And if they would then engage that as a daily practice, and mm-hmm. of course this is what we want to teach, this is what we are teaching, is how to do your sadhana, the yoga that is right for you on a daily basis in in the lifestyle that you have with all your other life responsibilities and fit this little yoga.
1: Right. Like practicing a musical instrument, you go to your lesson with your teacher you have a little lesson, and then you go home and you you practice it. And rather than the the yoga studio model, is more like going to a concert or going to an event. Yeah. And you you never actually develop the ability to play your own instrument. <laughs>
0: I like that. Play your own instrument. In all my years of teaching yoga, I've never made that analogy. That's <laughs> beautiful. Play I'm, your instrument.
1: I'm the metaphor department in yeah, this yeah. podcast.
0: <laughs> You're in the orchestra. Play your part. Definitely. And I'd like to link this to something profoundly important and that, you know, Krishnamacharya, as a Vedic scholar, would always be saying that, look, this is what you do in response to life, in response to your inspiration, in response to your teacher, you know a response to beauty. U. G. Krishnamurti used to say the only true pranayama is the spontaneous inhalation at the sight of beauty. <laughs> I love that, you know, you see a beautiful mountain. <gasps> mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: So,
1: And yet you still teach pranayama. So what is the negotiation for you there between loving that statement
2: and still <laughs> well, teaching pranayama?
0: Well, I'm just making the point, as Krishna Macharya's point is that this breath practice is what you do in response to beauty.
2: Right. And
0: Yuji was just pointing out that like this literally happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? You see a beautiful lake and the body uh, spontaneously is inspired Um, inspiration
1: i have a vision of an exciting christmas present
0: (gasps) exactly (laughs) yeah so you know more than that as i said before that it is the necessary practice it's the primary practice that you do not meditation not trying to like re-experience the inspiration, not needing to consume the inspiration, but a steady daily response to life because you have been inspired. What I've seen is that in this whole parade of spiritual points of view and spiritual teachers, religious teachers, there's this attempt in the audience to Mm re-experience what the teacher has offered or what the book has offered
1: or even what they've felt themselves one time
0: yeah what the experience when the the high peak experience has offered and then you know if that happens to you then yeah you're in trouble because you want to experience that again Mm -hmm. and your life is dedicated to trying to re-experience
2: yeah
1: definitely
0: and um and that is miserable.
1: I can report
0: on that. <laughs> yeah, I think we all can. You know, I ask often ask a group, you know, like who is stuck in that in that psychology of yeah. like trying to have your life? When you're already alive as life, mm-hmm. you're already the wonder, the power, the intelligence, the beauty of life. Where is the question of having to get there or re-realize re- it when you are that. You know. So this is a deeply important point, is that yoga is what you do that is practical, that allows you to actualize what the great ideals of culture are. Right. And it's just a steady, the right sadhana designed for you, your body type your age, your health, that may indeed be put into the context of your cultural familiarity. You know, if somebody is a sincere Christian, you probably want to make reference to their language, for mm-hmm. example. But make I'm making the point that this moving and breathing called asana is the most, you know, whole body prayer to life is the most fundamental response to life. hmm
1: and there's these beautiful historic descriptions of that whole body prayer process, you know, a fully embodied series of devotional movements, yes. fixing the spine and woven in with mantra and head to the floor and then standing and palms together and namaskar sequences. And mm-hmm. seems to be only later when uh, more body denying, ascetic, patriarchal, cults took over that this myth took off that asana is just a preparation for meditation to make your knees flexible or something like that
0: yeah that is a myth
1: and it's very common perception of yoga amongst meditators oh yoga is just something that you might do to warm up
0: yeah right asana and pranayama is completely underrated you know culturally even within the yoga realm you know people say well i'm I'm really off the mat now, and I'm, I'm meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to go for the good stuff.
1: Asana is a good place to start in yoga, but then yeah. you get to the serious stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, the example that we have in our lives with Jay Krishnamurti is very interesting because, you know, he fell in love with yoga, and he definitely fell in love with our teachers, Dasikachara and Krishnamacharya. He had high regard for these friends of his, and he paid great attention to them uh, very late in his life. And as I said before, it never really reached his public offering because you know I saw that he didn't really get it. And he was still creating the social dynamic around him of, you know, the man on the platform, the special man on the chair, the this, this speaker, as he used mm-hmm. to call himself, the, the present speaker,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in, a, in a presumed place of superior state. See, even though he'd have all the language around it, like we're just two people on the path, say all the right things, but still... The social dynamic was being created as a very special, realized person, and everybody not realized, trying to get realized.
1: And a special person speaking scornfully and dismissively of sex whilst having secret affairs that only came out after his death.
0: But also, in a haughty kind of way, dismissing yoga, (laughs) (laughs) the the nostril-holding arrogance of, But isn't that
1: interesting, that parallel of of dismissing yoga and dismissing sex and then secretly doing both?
2: Yeah.
0: See, it was just, you know, a late in life. Didn't get the opportunity to understand that link. See, my view is, not even a view, (laughs) I've seen it to be true, (laughs) you know, over and over again through the years, that these yoga practices given appropriately to each person are the practical means by which they can enjoy what they were hearing from Jiddu Krishnamurti. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: See that our response to being inspired by a great speaker or a great presence, you know, and perhaps even, you know, the enlightened person, if we want to use that tricky language, if we would then do our yoga practice in response to having that beautiful experience, the, the sadhana of yoga is the practical means by which we can actualize what has inspired us.
1: Mm. What, is it, what I have observed in spiritual communities, when that kind of embodied practice is not there, is that very strange things happen whereby sometimes people feel inspired and sometimes they are admiring the qualities of the leader or the teacher. Mm-hmm. And it creates a kind of mask where certain values looked well upon, but then when you're not actually feeling those, they're projected and performed in a kind of community hierarchy of, who can act spiritual values. Horrors. And that seems to be, from listening to a lot of people's experience, a very common way that spiritual communities go when there isn't a a, a practice to break that hierarchy.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Are you
1: familiar with that d- dynamic I'm describing? Oh, totally.
0: Well, it's the dynamic of civilization, isn't it?
1: Right, it's just an exaggerated version, yeah, right. I suppose, when you're in a context yeah. that you'd hope would be more real.
0: Everybody's trying to be like something else or like somebody else or emulate an, um, a model of, um, of future perfection. Mm-hmm. See? And whether it's in spiritual parlance or just you know, the world, we're this effort to be something other than what we are. Uh, and Yuji called that Yeah, that is human suffering, trying to be something that you're Mm -hmm. not, see. And my certainty about this is that if there is any spiritual teaching or uh, improvement to be made, the teacher must give the sadhana, the practical tools. You see, like even the effort trying to meditate, how does meditation arise? Meditation, clarity of mind arises as a consequence, as a natural result of your sadhana, this unitary movement of body, breath and mind, brings clarity into the mind. Mm -hmm. It empties the mind of its previous habit patterns and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah,
1: it's really true. And so it pains me when I think of how many people are in yoga classes around the world who are only experiencing a very f- physical exercise, materialized practice, but at, then at the same time are absorbing all of these beautiful ideals about bliss or clarity or the mind stopping or all of these things combined with a practice that is not actually going to get those results for them. And it must create a terrible kind of chasm you know, an experience between what's actually being experienced and what the ideal or hopeful performance is even down to the posters on the wall at the yoga studio
0: yeah, all the Hindu deities the pictures of the of all the great gurus and so forth implies that you're not there yet the model of the perfect person implies that everybody else is not perfect Mm -hmm. and you're given the 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 gimmicks of meditation and so forth to work on yourself to get to the future state or you're given the uh, the male muscular effort of straight lines on a on a human body that has no straight lines this effort of gymnastics or the effort of gymnastics in the mind to try to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, so we turn that around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm interested in giving this, you know, the wisdom sadhana got obliterated from human noticing from the 14th century onwards that Krishnamacharya rescued and he defined this technology of practice quite specifically. And it's easy to learn, but it's quite specific. And, you know, we have to say in the popularization of yoga, these principles that the teacher of, the teachers brought forth from the wisdom traditions have not been taken. Mm -hmm. We don't even know that they're there.
1: You know, when I've seen you say that in classes where people have perhaps a strong attachment and some positive outcomes to various different practices that they've tried... It's always the proof is always in the pudding when they actually do the practice and feel what it's like to have that accurate breath technology mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking a podcast is probably a, a terrible genre for us <laughs> because we're stuck to some degree in that level of words and ideas and not able to now step into a class to feel it put into action.
0: Well the podcast is just an entry point you know so you, if you Hearing this conversation, it's making any sense. And there's all this manner and means of following it up. And uh, in the world where we can't travel right now, there's you know there's a lot of means there to follow it up. I'm very happy with these courses that we've put out. For yeah. example, you know, like all around the world, you've seen it that people begin to practice just from a computer screen yeah. or a smartphone screen. It's just amazing. The, as i said the principles are quite specific quite exacting but easy to learn Mm -hmm. and easy to begin to practice yeah it
1: reminds me of learning to play the piano how you know you specifically you keep your nails short and you curve your hand in a certain shape in a relaxed way Mm -hmm. it's very simple you know what it looks like and yet to actually maintain that throughout a piece and the more difficult the piece gets the more you're likely to suddenly have a flat tense hand yeah to maintain that hand position it takes so much practice
0: you see and we have built an online system of education where people all around the world you know you don't have to have, have a sophisticated you know, education, background or intellect or anything to understand these things. Uh, but people can and they can begin to practice from online resource. And then these beautiful meetings via by, by video, you know, where we actually can
2: mm-hmm. get
0: to know people if not be in the same room with them. It's almost, you know, it's like 90% in the same room <laughs> to do these video calls. So uh, that's the idea. So this, you know, I think it's how it works. People hear a sentence in in a podcast, it, is, it might be, you know, "spirit means breath, nothing else,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> nothing else, sir." Yeah. Don't imagine that spirit is somewhere else, out of the body, or inside the body,
1: as an abstract.
0: Yeah, that you can get to it or experience it. This very life, what we are, you know, is capital S Spirit. It's unaccountable for that the body exists, that life exists.
1: It's actually a very scientific perspective, you know. If you look at the incredible discoveries of Einstein and his fellow physicists, discovering that matter was just a densely compressed form of energy, that everything was on one continuum, it wasn't two separate things, a sort of dead matter Mm. and then an animating principle.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the listener can hear a statement like this and it might, like, you know, like, wake up (laughs) (laughs) and say, oh yeah, I see that. Well, what else what else have we said uh, this evening uh, I said that human suffering is trying to be something that you're not yeah yeah you know, there's been planted in us this effort to get somewhere to realize something in you know in spiritual language or religious language and so forth uh, that is our suffering mm-hmm. that is the denial of the plain wonder the power of this cosmos that is this body you know i've been saying you are you are a perfect piece of creation that's an undeniable fact <laughs> so if somebody hears that and go oh my god in that moment the mind will stop its habituation of trying to get somewhere and mm-hmm. all the you know spiritual language that's offered us
1: yeah I mean, I feel like those words go into me in English in a way that a beautiful Sanskrit mantra, like aham Brahma asmi or something that means the same thing, doesn't, because I can hide behind the exoticism of the language and yeah. the romance of learning it and knowing it, and it becomes a knowledge commodity in my mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas there's something about the plain language of your own words, modern speak, your language of English, which means you have to grapple with it in a way that you don't with a romantic mantra. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. I think we need our English mantras. We need our own statements, you know. So when anybody hears anything that is significant to them, that brings a change in their realization, then certainly there are ways to follow that through and do something about it. I'm saying to to begin your own actual yoga practice that's right for you. That's the bottom line response. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it was J. Krishnamurti's responsibility, in my view, is to certainly be the realization that he was and speak his truth from where he was. But along with that comes the practical means for the listener to actualize what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And this, this is sadly missing from human life.
1: Right. There's no point going to a music lesson if you don't have an instrument at home.
0: And do a little practice in the way that's right for you.
1: Mm-hmm. So just going back to the technical aspect of breath. I was reading that when Descartes once went to France, there was an article about him that called him the yogi who breathes backwards. And certainly it seems like this teaching of breathing into the belly first, and of course you're not really breathing into the belly, but you're expanding the belly outwards without filling the chest first. Seems to have gone around the world to the fact that it's now... Accepted as yoga breathing or normal yoga breathing.
0: Yeah, yeah it just became branded as a, as the yoga breath.
1: Do you have any yeah. idea how that happened? Where yeah, it came from? Yeah, it's through the
0: Shivananda Swamis, uh, Vishnu Devananda and and uh, Sachidananda and other Venkatesananda in uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Uh, others and they taught this what they called the three-part breath, where you fill up the belly and then the mid lobes and the upper, like right. filling up a pot.
1: And if you compared it to people's habitual breath, which is a very shallow, fearful, hardly any chest movement at all, yeah. quite constricted, it would be calming and relaxing to to do that breath. It Wouldn't had
0: it, it had its own logic and beautiful description. Um, However the tantra is the union the hatha yoga hatha strength that is receptive sun and moon male female is about ascending and descending life mm-hmm. and the principle of this participation in the male female collaboration the power of the cosmos the nurturing power of the cosmos was this above to below participation mm-hmm. the descending life current, receptivity served by the inhalation and the ascending served by the exhale. And mm-hmm. this is, is so fundamental. You know, like I said, from the 5th to the 14th century, the tantras, the great tantras and Hatha yoga was the mother's milk of the tantra, the the um, practical means of the tantra. And this all disappeared. Mm-hmm. You see. And Machai would just say that these gentlemen uh, didn't have the opportunity to, to learn these matters. Mm-hmm. They were sin- very sincere um, you know, missionaries of Veda. Mm-hmm. And this is what they were essentially teaching as their religious um, devotion and religious philosophy. But they didn't have the opportunity to learn the actual Tantra.
1: I have seen some teachers from those schools uh, experiment with the breath of expanding the Mm -hmm. chest first and then allowing the diaphragm to move downwards, Mm -hmm. displace the lower internal organs Mm -hmm. and have a sort of identity crisis feel kind of confused to feel the effectiveness there.
0: Yeah and I just ask you know try to be very respectful of people's background and say just try it out and see See how it goes. Uh, ideally, try it out for 40 days, and
1: right, just to get over that hump of yeah, oh, it feels weird. I'm not used to
0: it. Try it out for yourself. But there's definitely something in it. You know, even from a um, physical point of view, if you breathe into the upper chest first, you expand the the uh, intercostals, the rib cage in the front and the back. Uh, you just get a lot more space in the lung cavity. You take in more air like that.
1: Seems like, it feels like I also get more space slightly between the vertebrae, and so more protected on a back arch as well. Okay, yeah. Like the spine expands a little somehow.
0: Yeah, so if you breathe into the lower area, the abdominals. If you expand the abdominals first, then you don't have as much um, movement in the in the upper chest.
1: One thing I've noticed is that the upper chest is this part of the body that's so compromised both physically by computer lifestyle Mm -hmm. and then also emotionally by anything that constricts or closes the heart. There's kind of a collapse in the shoulders and the chest, of the chest armoring itself and closing on itself to the point where by the time we're older people, we're mostly curled in on ourselves with those muscles at the front of the chest shortened and tight and the breath getting more and more oh, labored as a result i think you're
0: describing the usual life
1: <laughs> well we don't have the tools Horrors. to open our hearts again after they're hurt and so they they seem to just clamp down more and more and more mm-hmm. and um, that if we don't consciously open that area again then we won't reverse that trend
0: yeah true enough but i emphasize Asana is the unitary movement of body, breath, and life. Yeah. Yeah. Body, breath, mind, and life.
1: Well, that's what I mean, that it's inseparable, this Mm -hmm. physical collapse from the emotional collapse, from the collapse of the breath.
0: Yeah, It is the practical means to actualize what the great tradition and all the great teachers are talking about. (laughs) Just to make that point, it's a, a required sadhana. You know, and it's to be honoured in this terrible way that yoga's been taught. It's, it doesn't seem to be important. Yes, and the other all the thing y-
1: that I've noticed is that in a class you really do insist on that inhale, and you really do insist on it going forwards as people do more interesting or distracting asana, and. I'm sure there's a lot of teachers listening to this, and it it seems like often when people are teaching, they feel a little shy to insist on the breath in that way. How do you do that without being too bossy or too in people's face, too authoritarian? Because I never think that you are, but you do sort of insist.
0: Well, you've got to be nice to people, you know, you've got to respect them. Yeah. Um, But... Sometimes you can be quite, you know, firm, maybe. Um, what I mean b- to but say detailed in the instruction and constant in the instruction.
1: What I mean to say is that I, I, I notice that um, often teachers are a little cautious to actually demand that inhale, demand that breath in a friendly way. And therefore people perhaps aren't given the opportunity to... You really feel what's going on there always
0: the case of you know if someone doesn't get it then you cannot go on insisting
1: i'm thinking though for example of that um, beautiful eastern european woman who came to class in bali who really had difficulty with the breath for the first good 20 minutes was having trouble inhaling mm-hmm. and i heard the art form of sort of going back around and giving a lot of encouragement but also encouraging to keep trying. So yeah that sounds good. Okay now I want to hear your inhale. Yep exhale's great. Okay now we want to hear that same sound on the inhale. Yeah. And coming back to the very very simple arm movement asana not just plowing on ahead with the class and riding her off.
2: Yeah thanks and, for reminding You know after us about
1: 20 minutes that inhale was there yeah and then we didn't see her for about five or six months and when we did she was completely transformed she looked about 10 years younger because that lifetime habit of struggle was gone from her face
0: from a Hungarian woman and imagine the life of her mother and grandmother
1: right which is what we're saying that it's not Mm. a personal thing at all it's just the whatever we've had to take on in life to survive But you know, if you hadn't kept going back, mm -hmm. which I feel like teachers are hesitant to do, then she wouldn't have had that result.
0: Well, we're just saying that these are the basic principles. This is the technology of asana that has been ignored, even by the scholars of the traditions. It's not an understanding that the technology of the practice is, is quite specific, and it does come from the wisdom traditions. And it needs a, you know, a, a good uh, study of mm-hmm. those principles for yoga to become yoga. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially bypassed, you know, the, the um, popularization of gymnastics as yoga, um, uh, dismisses the breath because it kind of gets in the way of the muscular shaping of the body.
1: Right. For example, you can't stay full depth into a twist and inhale at the same time
0: yeah so the scholars need to have a good look at the specifics of what krishnamacharya brought forth and i emphasize that he brought it forth with the same discernment that he of his academic scholarship there's Mm a sort of academic accuracy to how he taught uh, the physical practice of yoga that needs to be looked into and the principles that he taught need to be given to all the popular forms that have um, of you know that's been turned into brand and style around the world and it's time for that now we can get the job done
1: mm-hmm. and just to finish up You know, the power of the breath is beginning to be known and this thing has become very popular called breath work. Mm -hmm. Do you want to say anything about that? What's your thoughts on it?
0: Well, it's just something, you know.
1: Could it be called pranayama or is that a different thing?
0: It's a different thing, but you know, it might have its uh, therapeutic, use. But I think it's dangerous actually to do a lot of exaggerated breathing uh, without the body movement. It can um, release uh, traumas suddenly, or even like bring up a trauma unexpectedly. And uh, the really the breath should be occurring in the context of whole body like whole body prayer, you know, and, and in the context of a supportive uh, teacher relationship. hmm Yeah.
1: Do you think it's perhaps sitting once again within that phenomena of going to the music concert, going to get the stimulating experience or the fun experience, rather than really yeah, learning your own...
0: You see the doing the asana center is measured by the number of breaths that you can do without struggle and the breath ratio that you can do. And that has a sort of a finite quality about it. You cannot just go on and on and on with rapid breathing. And you can't go on and on and on doing some sort of repetitive gymnastic activity. Is that this unitary movement mm-hmm. of body, mind and breath must be there and that's what keeps it safe. Mm-hmm. It's what keeps it the body's safe that's what keeps the mind and emotions safe
1: right so the and breath keeps the asana safe and the body keeps
0: the breath the safe, breath safe. Mm-hmm.
1: that's beautiful
0: yeah and there's a, it's a certain you know this as i said it comes from wisdom tradition and you know it evolved <laughs> over thousands of years particularly from 5th to the 14th century and uh, it's there for the taking, you know. It is each person's direct participation in the power of the cosmos, you know, in creation itself. It's not trying to get to the power of the cosmos because you are the power of the cosmos. It is participation only in the given reality. And it, it's quite specific as it came through these wisdom traditions and can be specifically and easily practiced by every person, no matter who the person is, no matter what their cultural background is.
1: And finally, where did this lovely phrase that the breath is the guru come from? Was <laughs> by you? your guru? Yeah. And
0: that's what he would say, Krishnamacharya. The breath is the gauge to the asana,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. obey your, the gauge to the asana, the guru of the asana, obey your guru.
1: Which is much more helpful than saying the guru is within, because I know in my experience there were all kinds of characters within and they were all shouting different things. (laughs) Whereas to actually know that something true about my life was there in the breath is much more clear. You know, to be doing an asana and to be trying to work out with mind whether you were too deep or pushing too hard or should have a rest or were tired or not tired. Yeah. It's just a minefield. But to be able to rely on the breath. Oh, I'm breathing smoothly or oh, the breath is not there. Just takes all of that ego out of the asana. It's,
0: it's beautiful, just, isn't it? He you you said you can cheat the body with will of mind. But mm-hmm. you can't cheat the breath, so make the breath the gauge to the asana. Make the breath the guru to the asana. Mm-hmm. Obey the guru. Yeah. And specifically, that's the number of breaths and the breath ratio in the four parts of the breath that you can do without struggle. Mm-hmm. Maybe some work, but not struggle.
1: And it's just not really up for debate because yeah. it's a physical fact.
0: Not struggle in the body or the mind. hmm you're not trying to get somewhere where you're not already trying to get somewhere is the denial of where you are right now and where you are right now is that you're a piece of creation mm-hmm. a perfect piece of creation a pure intelligence that is life itself
1: and i feel like it's so urgent to bring attention to the gift that is breathing you know because we're living in this time where some people were being deprived of their breath. Oh.
0: This was... It continues to be a horror, a vulgarity that we went through in the United States. I'm
1: talking about police murdering black citizens, yeah, you know. And this repeated line that keeps haunting the yeah, public imagination, yeah. saying, I can't breathe.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it's the whole trauma on the earth that has been created by power structure by the model of the perfect person implying that everybody else is not perfect and that is a control mechanism on the public and everybody's struggling in these arbitrary criteria of trying to be something other than what they are. What yeah. they are is life itself and the breath is so fundamental to life, this beautiful life as we have it. And it's so be
1: struggling to take authority over others. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, let us breathe. Yeah. So thanks, Rosalind. Thanks for this conversation.
1: I know there's a lot more we could say, but let's wrap it up mm. there.
0: Yeah, it's just a conversation. And there's uh, plenty of other uh, ways for us to continue the dialogue with our friends. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Heart of Yoga podcast. If you'd like to make this a two-way conversation, either in person or online, have a look at heartofyoga.com. And we're very grateful for the support of the Heart of Yoga Foundation, and that is completely sustained by donations. So if you'd like to help this podcast continue, you can also donate on the website. Thank you so much.